0: to yet another episode of the Swiss Ballers Pod. I'm Fabo and I'm joined by two absolute ballers. My good friend Arman back home in Zurich and everyone's favourite guest is back. Dwayne, good (laughs) to see you back on the pod, sat in West London, looking great. How is it going, my friends?
1: Nice to be back. It's been a long time.
0: Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? How are you, Arman? All good? Yeah, all good. All good. Thanks. We have a uh, game week twenty six, the Carabao Cup final, Manchester United's restructuring, all sorts. Arsenal's good form, all sorts of things to talk about. So uh, let's just let's dive right in and 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 get into it. Uh, but of course, first let's not get ahead of ourselves, Armand. If Arsenal only can win one trophy this season, which one are you going for? Premier League. Oh, that's quick. Yeah, no question. Champions League not as not as important. <laughs>
2: I wouldn't say not as important but that's just that's just my natural answer I can't it's just a feeling I think fair enough what do what do you like better
0: yeah I reckon you Arsenal fans would be more annoying if they won the prem
2: yeah it's so it's I, just I it's, it's it's the cons, the season you know you play every team two times you have to show consistency and it did you did you ever get an
1: undeserved Premier League winner
0: I'm not so sure no, it's the more difficult one to win, I
1: reckon. Yeah. So it makes
0: sense for many, many
2: cases. But well,
1: then again, Arsenal's never won the Champions League, so that's something you have to consider. That's true.
2: Go. That's true. That just came to my mind actually. But I just want the Prem, and then I, I'm sure the <laughs> the rest will follow.
1: Yeah,
0: well, I mean, once you've got the Prem, the the Champions League is like, is easy? No, like it's easy. No, it's not easy, <laughs> but I, I
2: I'm confident. I'm I, I'm confident we can we can go on from that.
0: Okay, um, Dwayne, of course I've also got a question for you um, and it's, uh, it's a very happy one. Who are the first five first-team members of Man United squad that you're booting out?
3: Um,
1: <laughs> Arman is see. rubbing his hands while well, he's just listening to this. Anthony uh, Martial, he has yeah. to go. Yeah. <laughs> Does he uh... his- is he still at the club? <laughs> Apparently he is. <laughs>
0: Unbelievable. It's gone
1: missing. <laughs> uh, Anthony Martial. I think for whoever's supposed to be, Casemiro doesn't belong with us because he's so experienced and he's in such high wages. So for whoever's supposed to be as a club, like he's just in the wrong position. Fascinating. Okay. Uh, Ericsson's days in Premier League are done for me. I don't think he can manage anymore. Okay. Wow. Ericsson, Martial, Casemiro. Probably Varane because... Regardless of how good he is, he can never stay fit. Like, he's missed, I think, half of his games at United already. So I feel like he just doesn't belong as well. Okay. And fifth one's weird because Maguire's had a comeback season, but if you ask me at the start of the season, everyone's first choice would be Maguire. Fair enough, yeah. He, Probably right. Prior, prior to the last season, people would have like lost fate in Rashford too, so that's there too. But I think... You've got to give him the benefit of the doubt, new contract, and that. I think the fifth one probably going to be like Van visaka because they've been they've been talking about it for so long, and then it just never happens. But it's clear to see he's not a Manchester United player.
2: Okay, there's a what few. What did Roy Keane say? If Palace wouldn't even take him back now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't. <laughs> he's, he's right; they wouldn't. But there's, I mean, Martial, I obviously get, but the. Especially Casemiro and Varane are, are two big inclusions here. I mean, I get Varane's never available, but in to list him before, let's say Lindelof, or at this point even Anthony, is the thing it, is
1: with, with like Lindelof and Anthony, like Anthony they signed in last year, he's still twenty twenty three, and Lindelof's just like I don't know to me he's just a backup, like he's there when you need him, like he's not a starting player, but for me it's like casemiro is on like almost 400k a week so is varan and like Mm -hmm. they're both like 32 years old like realistically we're not getting much out of them for the next couple of seasons so i just feel like you know cash in make money
0: fair enough yeah i mean i I get your point yeah you're you're halfway towards being a a sporting director i guess then with that brain of yours arman who who would uh are you just going to list anthony five times if if i asked you the same (laughs) questions I mean, he'd be on my top
2: top one list for sure. I think he needs to get out. Um, then I think I agree. wan Bissaka. I probably get rid of Lindelof as well. I don't think he's good enough. Um, yeah, it's difficult. Martial as well, of course. And I be I would be thinking about cashing on Garnacho if you can get a good fee from him and get another winger. Wow. Yeah. I'm not I'm not that big of a Garnacho fan. I think he's a bit over
0: hyped. Okay. He's he's one of like one of literally one of like two people I've got faith in at United at the moment.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. But... Yeah, you
0: mean you're allowed to be wrong every now and again, no, <laughs> I'm on even on this pod. <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs> okay. Well <look. laughs> do you want to the list two more names or should we leave it? Oh, um, I
2: don't know who's still there to be fair. Mason Mount. No. Don't remember him. He, he didn't deserve a chance yet. He deserves a chance. Uh what do we got who do we got? Some of the some of the defend defenders. For sure there's another one. Tell me. Who can, who can Johnny go.
1: Evans? Johnny Evans. Evans. I like
2: Evans to be fair.
1: Yeah. It's probably oh, gonna be uh, gone at the it's, end it's, of the year anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah. he'd probably be gone, but I think he's done a good job. I mean
0: he's filled his role very well this yeah. season, for sure. He's, when he came on, on at unwell. the
2: Emirates, I thought, oof,
0: yeah. I don't know. But then I
2: think he stabilised. Okay.
0: Yeah, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about happier things. Um, let's start with some general uh, football update chat. Um, we do have to start in Spain, where yesterday Luka Modric scored at the age of 38 for Real Madrid against Sevilla in their game. Like... How highly do you rank Luca Modric? Dwayne? is it? He he's like he's an, he's one of those few players that you can literally call a legend before they retire, don't you think? Is it how how good is he still? How highly do you regard him?
1: He's playing Champions League football. And La Liga for and La Liga for a team that's like all like all like favorites or they're one of the favorites in each of the competitions, he's still leading Croatia like in national competitions and it's incredible. Like at I think he's thirty eight now, yeah. And it's not like he's just a piece of their puzzle. Like he's a fundamental piece of their success, and I don't know. It's it's a weird one because like, I don't think people. In a way, he's underrated because people won't hold him high in that like goat sentiment discussion. But he should be one of the first people you mentioned there because he's unbelievable and it's consistent brilliance. It's not one off. It's just he's done it for about fifteen years now.
0: Yeah, the longevity is is absolutely mad. And even even the goal he scored last night just a typical trademark Modric goal. The control outside the box, one touch to put it on his right, and just. R one circles it into the into the far (laughs) corner. I mean, like like what a player, Armand. Do you have anything else to add on on Luka Modric while we're at him on him?
2: Yeah, I say probably the international careers, in a way, I know there's no titles and no glory in that sense. Almost a bit more impressive, like the way he carries his team and Croatia to semifinals and finals and and let us say. of the euros is almost more impressive I think than is more side. but the way he carried that Croatia team even like as a leader there's a lot of a lot of international captains who who wanted to do that but failed
0: you know and that's why I, I rate him that highly yeah I think my internet connection bugged out there so apologies to all listeners but yeah you're absolutely right I mean 172 Caps for his country, and he's still keeping on going, and he's about to play his one, two, three, four, five, six, twelve, uh, or six euros, if my calculation is correct. Madness, madness! What a player! And and I'd like to say they don't make them anymore. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see if if this generation can can bring out someone like him. But yeah, he's he's one of a kind for sure. Beautiful, beautiful footballer. In other European news, we've discussed briefly Italian football over the past few weeks, but I, having watched them in the Champions League as well, in what, to be fair, was a very boring game. But I do want to give a shout out to Inter. I know Hashi won't be happy about this, but they are looking like they could be one of Europe's best teams at the moment. Would you agree, Dwayne?
1: I mean, based on form, I think they've won their last 10 straight games or so. Yeah, And they haven't actually lost the game since December and... Almost at the end of February, so it's like almost three months that they haven't lost the game, and yeah, they're interesting because even against Atletico, they showed that they can rough house the game and they can play both styles of football where they're just really good, but they can also like stay rough, be physical for an entire ninety and win. So on form, they're probably one of the better teams in Europe. Yeah, for sure. is
0: there any? Are there any players who stand out to you?
1: Chalano I think the way he's just changed his game is incredible. He's gone from like an attacking central, attacking midfielder who's so good at set pieces to now being one of the best deep lying playmakers. Like he dictates tempo so well. I think he's incredible. I think he catches your eye just because of his like past selection. And he still managed to hold on to the things that made him so good when he was younger as a cam, but he's doing it from CDM with more defense, like it's incredible i think chelennoglu Mkhitaryan's interesting cuz he's also changed to a central midfielder now and you know things you don't expect and they're really good
0: yeah i mean i know you don't watch a lot of um italian football Armand, but you you've got to keep an eye on inter even just because they're still in the champions league and i for for one definitely fancy them now to go past Atletico after that first leg don't you think yeah um it's
2: always, especially if the return leg is at um, the Atletico place, it's not going to be easy and it's going to be lively for sure. But uh, yeah, I think they will go through, and they're very stable at the back. You know, the 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 three at the back is is working very well for them, and what I've seen from them, it was very impressive. And Martinez and Turam up top are just like. They're such a handful. I was so it would be such a nightmare to defend them. Uh, can I can only imagine. So, yeah, they're a, we're very stable group, and uh, it's not necessarily a team I hope to get in the next round. If 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 we get in the next round, I have to say so.
0: Which after Porto's fantastic goal, uh, isn't isn't set in stone just yet. But yeah, you've no, got a chance. Still. I'm not I've worried. I've got a chance yeah. Okay. Let's switch our attentions to domestic football, domestic being for people living in England, of course. The the couple of standout games that we, I just want to briefly brush, Aston Villa were backfiring, um, courtesy of, of Leon Bailey mainly, who, who played out of his skin to beat Nottingham Forest by four goals to two. Manchester City aren't really firing, but they are grinding out results. The couple of 1-0s on the bounce now in a way they remind me a little bit of of sort of early season arsenal where the, the performances weren't that good but they got the results they got the clean sheets and they always always managed to score at least one well the chelsea game they conceded one as well but they always managed to get one goal and their stats they they just keep the ball 80% possession seemingly every game and then they they're so hard to to break down all of a sudden Is this sort of trend of Man City who were leaking a few goals earlier this season, is this trend now of trying to keep more clean sheet a sign of encouragement for the two Man City fans in the world, Dwayne? Or is it a sign of them perhaps struggling more and lacking that free-flowing attacking football?
1: I think when you look at it, they actually still create a lot more chances than their opposition. I think Haaland is scoring less than what you'd expect him to score in comparison to like last year and stuff. So they're still creating chances then just not tucking them away. But for them to get um three of their last four wins to be all clean sheets, that's impressive. Like regardless of who you play, it, it is impressive that they're managing to like shut out opposition attacks as well. So for there's a there's a staying with cities it doesn't matter like if you let them win they will just continue to rack up wins and they'll just keep winning and it's regardless of sloppy performances of them being at their best if you give them a chance they'll take their chances and they're still at the very top of the table in that shout, even though they haven't been at their best which is pretty much scary for all the other teams because imagine them at their best at that point
0: yeah, what about you, Arman, as a direct rival of, of City in this title race? Are you encouraged by the fact that they're not winning their games 5-6-0, but 1-0? Or are you like actually a bit more scared that despite playing perhaps not the most scintillating of football and not being as clinical in front of goal, like Dwayne just mentioned, but still winning out, winning their games, grinding out results?
2: Yeah, I mean, of course you you feel better if they win 1-0, then they win 5-0 and they play... The amazing football they can but we sit with city you just always know that they're gonna get in their rhythm so actually doesn't really matter to me i just think we just have to look we have to concentrate on us in a way like city we shouldn't like in a way count The next games and think okay they will maybe draw here because they're in a bad in a bad run of form in a way although they won i think you can't do that with that with them so just focus on us
0: are you hopeful that arsenal have learned their lessons from last season's title race when perhaps they towards the end failed to just focus on themselves and started to kind of look over their shoulder when man city started to like hit form in that sort of march april period when they started when they stopped dropping points and started really putting together a run of games and then the the famous southampton and west ham week came along and arsenal started to drop a few silly points are you hopeful that this has now changed and are you seeing signs of of greater maturity from Arsenal in this period in which they're seemingly scoring five every week
2: yeah I I mean for sure they will took something from that season but I don't think it's it's a case of necessarily looking over their shoulder I just think just concentrate on on you I know it's hard but it's going to be a nightmare if if every weekend you, you look at the opposition and focus on that too much just game by game and then there's still obviously the... the... Okay, we're scoring a lot at the moment, but... I don't know how to describe it, but if there's two games to go and you you maybe need a goal out of nowhere at Old Trafford or we play at Tottenham, I'm, I still have question marks. Who will score that goal for us, you know? And we don't have a Harry Kane or a Holland who get a, can get us out of... Like when we're playing like against Newcastle or even Liverpool, like there's it's like it's amazing and free flowing football yeah. and it's all good. We still have so many many games to go. The pressure is not really as big, of course, always, but I just fear that in those tough away games, latter stage of the season, if we have someone who can do that for us, that is my my worry, because you need games where you can just win without performing that well which I think we've done all right. But in the latter stages, it's a whole different story. And City are, yeah, they're probably the best at that at, in the Premier League at the moment. So um, we're not favorites. I think most of you would probably say that we are third favorites. So maybe that will help as well. Like we're not we're not the, the chasers. Uh, we are the chasers, but not the ones who are getting chased. So maybe that will help this time around.
0: I don't know. Let's ask Dwayne, what what do you think? Are Arsenal third favorites?
1: I mean on paper they probably are given City's track record and given that Liverpool are sort of like the team on top right now. So with City's track record you'd have them as favorites or joint favorites. So basically on paper they probably are the third favourites, but the way they're playing I think you could make them second favourites ahead of City. But on paper, they are third favourites, I think.
0: Do you think... Who do you think will end up winning it Then at the moment?
1: Still City? I think with City, the challenging thing is whether they can get through their next five games. Because they play United, Liverpool, Arsenal. I think they play Villa as well. All in their next five games. And I think that's how you know... If City is going to win the title, is if they can get maybe twelve out of the fifteen points in their next five games. You know they're they're up and about. Um, I think Liverpool's hit that part of the season where injuries are just affecting them, but for all the injuries, they seem they still seem to be like the team to beat right now. Like teams are still trying to figure out how to beat Liverpool. Uh, to be honest, I I think Arsenal have a great chance because they don't have a lot of injuries right now. They're getting their players back. They're in the most goal-scoring form they've been in for a couple of seasons. So right now, all the positive signs are with Arsenal because City is still trying to figure out how to score a lot of goals and Liverpool is trying to figure out how to keep their players fit. So Arsenal should really take the most advantage. But for me, I just can't look past City. I just feel like even if there's like five games left in the season, they'll find a way.
0: Yeah. What I... I Listen, I realized this the other day. We kept praising Arsenal for being this free-flowing, attacking team, front four, exciting as anyone's in the world. And then they just came short. And this season, and we've spoke about this before, Armin, you and I on the pod, about how Saliba and Gabriel are this like rock solid back four or back five even now the goalkeeping discussions have died out the they've they've strung together a bunch of clean sheet now clean sheets now they've got this nastiness about them as well they've got this little bit of of grit that we didn't really associate with too many arsenal sides of the past and they're scoring from set pieces almost every week they clearly, we've discussed this as well, they clearly work on them. Rice is taking corners. Odegaard is, uh, Saka is taking corners. They they have their routines. They're so dangerous. They can score from corners against anyone. And I think those sort of small details could play a big, big role. Same way The same way as Liverpool's injuries might play a big role. Or the fact that City... I don't think at the moment know their best lineup because they have a bit of a few injuries. They have a bit of inconsistency within the squad. Kevin De Bruyne is back, but he's not really been in the team enough. It just, it if you look at it from like a trend point of view, a natural sort of progression point of view, this feels like a very good year for Arsenal. So at the moment, I would not. I mean, I. I am not a betting man and it's it's so close say up there. It. No I'm not going to say, say it. it. I'm not going to say <laughs> it. But I think you've got an an excellent chance. You really do. I think yeah. you look really really dangerous. Um but as Dwayne said as well you know that there, there will come a period in Arsenal season as well um where they'll have to face the big guns. You've got a couple of very difficult away trips to to Old Trafford, to to Spurs, to Man City and they it's... all they all come in. I mean, Man City's up in like three or four weeks, but the, the Spurs one is, is the yeah. game week 35, and the United one is game week 37. And those are the games yeah, you I don't know. want to have at that no. late point of the season. So, as you said before, we'll see, but they have yeah. a really good, really, really good chance, as much as it pains yeah. me to say.
2: And, and and I hope, you know, when, when Hart is in, in training again, and I think we've been missing him a lot. So I hope when he comes back, he can give us a bit more of that fluid football and and um, and win the duels in the midfield as well. But I have to say, Jorginho, again, second time he started in the last couple of games and again, man of the match, and rightly so. He was fucking amazing again. Unbelievable. Okay.
0: Let's go to the other side of the table and just chat quickly because I don't want to linger too long on them Burnley and, and Sheffield. And I, on my, on my match notes for this, I wrote down Sheffield and Burnley stink. And what I mean by that is that I, we, we discussed this last summer. I remember vividly saying this is the most championship Premier League of all time. Luton, Burnley and, and Sheffield coming up, feels like a lot of championship teams coming up and, and, it, it's kind of proof we've kind of been proven right Luton have done very well considering I didn't expect them to be on top of the other two for sure people gave Burnley much more credit than they've managed to much more uh, hype than they managed to live up to and Sheffield man I, I just continue disliking what I'm seeing from them they have nothing there there's just not enough quality in that squad at all and I know with Sheffield they've had some some money issues they haven't really been able to strengthen the squad on the contrary they sold one of their key players Berger, to to Burnley but Burnley have really invested they really made some big name and big money transfers in the summer um all the way through the squad from goalkeeper to to Amdouni up top who came for a few million from from Switzerland but that there's no progression and Company had such a good start at, at at Burnley when he got them promoted in his first season and everyone was hyping him. Everyone was celebrating them. And there has been zero progression, zero ability to adapt. I mean, the goal they conceded, or the red card they conceded against against Crystal Palace. You're there, like, man, it's it's game week twenty six. You're in a relegation scrap. You know, do you want to survive or do you want to play pretty football? Because you've proven time and time again you're not good enough for the for the latter. And I, it, it I can't say it pisses me off. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm an observant. I'm not really like. I can't say it's a personal thing, but I do get frustrated when I just see stuff like that happen. Like I just fucking adapt. Clearly you're not good enough doing it the way you want to do it. So find another way. Many good manager have always proven that they are adaptable and they are able to build and 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 redefine what their style is. And I see none of that with both of those teams. And um they yeah, kind of both want them gone. Do you do you get what I mean, Dwayne? Or am I am I too harsh?
1: No, I agree with you. Sheffield plays some of the most depressing anti-football there is like they can't seem to pass out of their own box, they can't seem to defend, they can't seem to attack. So it's just at that point, like you, you begin to wonder how they actually made it to the Premier League. Like, I understand the difference in power level between championship teams and Premier League teams, but then you probably want to implement a game plan that lets you survive, but they just don't seem to have anything. And Burnley remind me of Norwich, where Norwich was so up and down because they thought it was so long they could come up to the Premier League and play possession football. And I, I don't. It's just the reality is that the Premier League teams are so much better than the Championship teams by such a level that you can't expect to come to the Premier League and start dictating tempo and determining possession against your cities and your Liverpools, even against, like, United. Like, I know United's probably one of the worst possession teams right now, but then if Burnley expects to try and out-possess United and create more chances and win the game like that, like, it's just naive thinking. Even if United's at their worst, it's just naive and, like, they haven't shown a plan B. They've just decided, let's just play pretty football and sometimes it doesn't work. And it just hasn't worked for them.
0: Yeah. Why do you come in on this, Armin? Are you Are you a fan of managers who are like, I'll stick to my guns even if the results aren't coming? Yeah, I think it's a big like philosophical question in football, which I'm,
2: I am not set in as well. I, am a, I think there are both pros and cons to sticking to your plan and in a way, believe in what you do and trust in the process and, 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 um, I've seen it with Arsenal, you know, just, stick to it the same patterns and it will work with the players you get in. The problem with Burnley is that they financially the Premier League is really attractive. So you can't really afford that. And if you go down and up again you're gonna see a lot of players go and, and I don't think you can you can have a plan like that. So maybe you need to adapt. So I'm usually a fan of of, of sticking to your to your plan and to your to your beliefs. But yeah, it seems that it's not working, and 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 when I watched um, Burnley against a lot of top teams at their ground, like what Luton do perfectly, like they or Brentford as well, like they're specialists at that. Just make the game as annoying as possible for them, like set pieces, hoofing the ball forward to forwards, constantly breaking the rhythm with with tactical fouls and and long throws and intensity and the crowd will get to that and then will add more energy and it's like a spiral you know I saw it with, with Luton against a lot of top teams and even United had a really tough time there uh, they had good chances but they were really t- we had a tough time City had a tough time so they're just going way about it in the wrong way like Arsenal out of possession or even Liverpool they want you to play out of the back they're like rubbing their hands because they're so good off the ball and in their press and in their counter press. And then when you when you when you when you let them let them press you, it's just never gonna work. But I have to say with Burnley as well, there are a lot of young players and it's not really you don't see the tarkovskis the and the and you know the big center back and the the Chris Wood up
0: top which which just made Going would, you, to would you would you want your manager nightmare. though? Right? would you want your manager though to adapt to that and maybe play a bit more experience or hunt for a bit more experience on the transfer market and and kind of compromise yeah. his his ideology a little bit in order to to stay yeah. up?
2: Yeah, probably. And they were a young team already last year, so maybe one of a few Premier League experienced players wouldn't even as maybe they're not as, as technically gifted, but. A player like, or even like, a player like Connor Cody, who I think, would be a massive help, you know. And he's at Leicester now, so, um, yeah, maybe they were were a bit, a bit naive and thought they could outplay some of the, the prem teams, which they, they can. And Sheffield don't even get me started on Sheffield; they're just rubbish, and I want them gone.
0: Who beans? Okay. Liverpool FC are not rubbish at the moment. They won a trophy. The first trophy in Jurgen Klopp's last season in charge, just yesterday against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final, topsy turvy final, very nervy. Shouldn't really have ended nil nil, but somehow both sides failed to convert or got very dodgy offside calls given against them. Um, Chelsea definitely still lacking a striker. That was that was very obvious. One of many teams who who do so at the moment let's talk about Liverpool first. Dwayne, where do you come in on, on on Klopp, on his legacy, on sort of what he's done to that club, on how impressive it now is to win the trophy in the way he did, playing kind of like a C team with their long list of injuries? Talk to me about them. I know it's not easy.
1: Oh, it actually ties in well from the last point. You think you speak about like changing your philosophy, and Klopp's done that about two or three times in Liverpool, where he came in and instantly they were about like winning the ball back. But now their technical side that can do both, and he's it, it. It's it's so painful to say this, but he's changed the club like he's had a Guardiola-esque impact. The way Guardiola changed is the way Klopp changed Liverpool. Obviously, Guardiola won more. But Klopp's done it with Liverpool and it pains me to say it because those two are probably our biggest rivals. But you're watching them just do everything you dream of your club doing. And winning with a C team in a cup final is its incredible. It's unheard of. It's yeah, its its ridiculous that the amount of faith he has in his young players. And you can see how much he means to them because they're all running, embracing him after the final. It's incredible. Like It's something that, you know, You'll envy yourself
0: in the end. Yeah, and I, I don't think we'll, we'll ever see again. Did you watch the game, Arman, yesterday? Yes, yes. It was our
2: very enjoyable game. End-to-end, like, proper... Yeah, end-to-end football and a lot of duels and and, and uh, posts were hit and um, counter-attack. It was, it was amazing. I loved it. I have to say, I really enjoyed that game, um, especially in the second half. But Chelsea had to win. I mean, the chances they had. And the if you think of the, 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 if you compare what each player would have, I mean, the young players don't cost anything from the academy. But if you compare like the two sides financially, mm-hmm. it's an absolute joke. I mean, Chelsea should, I mean, they should shame on them because that was embarrassing how they didn't win that game. Their own like they played okay, but when they got their final third, like Modwick and Mudric and and all the even Gallagher in the in the final third, they were all so rash and like almost like childs, like wasting chances and playing the wrong pass and shit passes as well. The only one with who had the cold head was was Cole Palmer, you know. He's just brilliant. The, the way he the, the weight on his pass is just 10 out of 10 honestly and the weight on his pass is perfect and without him there would every transitional moment would have gone to to shit like instant it was always his pass
0: who created something so, so what made the, really, what made the difference really in the end what made the difference for you in the end
2: yeah i mean the difference was that that one
0: set piece that
2: they that they got. I mean, Liverpool in the in the second half of extra time, then pushed on a little bit more, and probably that that's what what edged it. You know, the after one hundred twenty minutes, your concentration levels are not going to be as high, maybe, and then Van Dijk is going to punish you, and maybe the the experience. I would say maybe the experience of the back line of Liverpool maybe
0: pushed them through. Although they didn't have their first choice goalkeeper or right yeah, back, or but he was he back. was
2: I mean he was arguably man of the match, Callaher, the way he killed or left the... back yeah.
0: either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who impressed you the most at
1: in in Liverpool's team, Dwayne? Uh, I mean the easy shout is Rando because he had an amazing game. Like he was just bossing everything. Yep. But I think. Uh, they had McConnell in the midfield who seemed to be like pulling all the strings. Like say was, that again.
3: I think I think know. it just like, it just skipped. Two, first, who,
0: who, say that again. O'Connell.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. I think it was O'Connell McConnell, and he was just dictating strings in the midfield. Like it was impressive to see that he was unfazed by a two hundred and fifty-pound million midfield in the Chelsea side, and like you could see their striker. Like, funnily enough, Liverpool striker made more of an attempt to get on the end of things rather than Chelsea's. And Liverpool striker, eighteen-year-old Jaden Dance, in his first first game, like it's yeah. incredible. Like you can just see how much more they wanted. So it's a bit, and Luis Diaz was phenomenal. Like one hundred and twenty minutes of constantly taking on you man. Yeah, and he kept going. It's incredible. Yeah,
0: I I'll probably end this little segment by saying I've. Preach this so many times, and by preaching it, I obviously look for it much more. But big players step up in big games. And what everyone's been saying about Chelsea is that they lack, they spend so much money, but they lack big players everywhere on the pitch. They signed loads of young talent who isn't really, you know, how big are they really? How great players, how great of players are they really? And none of them stepped up yesterday. Whereas with Liverpool they have, In Van Dyke a huge player and he stepped up in a big moment yet again for them. I think it is third man of the match uh, award in a in a final and he stepped up and won them the cup in the end. And we'll
1: take a break now.
2: It's absolutely crazy. I mean, I mean I didn't want to say they, they played they played bad. I just I, I said they're shambles because they just should have get the job done. But it's so beautiful for football that a bunch of kids could weather the storm against these million or billion pound players.
1: Billion pound bottle shops as Carrie Noel's billion pound bottle shops at Carinova. blue million and, and, blue, billion. and they, <laughs> oh, blue, billion. blue billion
2: and they still came through. I mean, it's beautiful and it shows that
0: it's not everything about the money, yeah. The lack of the lack of I see I see similar similarities to how that squad was made up between Chelsea now and United over the past 10 years, which brings us back to where we are which is Manchester United's game against Fulham and I just want to we're going to talk about the structure at the club and how things might be changing or may not be changing when we'll compare United to Arsenal and how they've turned it around there but I want to start by giving credit to Fulham they were up for it from the very first whistle to the very last they were going at it and they were brave and they put men forward and Pereira had a great game I've always liked him um, Iwobi had a fantastic game really deserved to, to score the, the winner at the end they have been a bit on and off this season and, and have kind of been flying under the radar a bit as teams in sort of mid-table sometimes do but Marco Silva has a really good side and he's got them really well coached and on their day they can be really uncomfortable do you have anything to add to that Arman? Um yes and
2: I think Fulham are one of those teams where where you can like they're a bit they're not really in a relegation fight, and not really uh, at the top doing anything so you almost think in a way this is just going to be easy today like they're not really playing for anything but that's what maybe makes them dangerous and I, I always said this when Fulham always give a game they always give you a game even if it's their ground or at the Emirates, they always give you a game. So they're really well coached. They're big two centre backs. They have um Ivobi, which I think Kearney didn't play, but I, I like him as well. Wilson. They got good players. William, he was injured. Palinia, of course, he's he's the heart and, and he's amazing at, at the in the duels. So um I was surprised though I thought United were a bit on a on an upwards trend, but um
0: glad to see that um disappear. <laughs> Talk to me about that upwards trend, Dwayne, because everyone's been, yes, the results have been good, but people have been saying how poorly they've been playing and how it's not really been convincing. They still have they still allow allowed a lot of chances, a lot of shots on their own goal. I think all the games they've won by one goal.
1: Um th- was this a defeat that you perhaps saw coming? Um I had a mate who said it best when he said United are the kings of winning while playing absolutely shit. And I th- I couldn't agree with I couldn't agree with, like more with him because it was just it's so true. Against Luton we were lucky to win. Like Luton deserved to win there. Against Villa away, we had two chances and we took both and Villa dominated the game. Against Wolves, we allowed them to hit us. Like, yeah, we're having good starts. Even against West Ham, when you win 3-0, you think it's such a convincing result, but when you look deeper, West Ham had so many chances to score and they just didn't score. Uh, West Ham had more
2: XG in that game, I just saw yesterday.
1: Yeah, it's... it's I, I don't know. With United, it's... Uh, Interestingly, you said shots against. They love so many shots against, and that's true. Because um, I think only Luton, Sheffield, and West Ham have allowed more shots on their goal than United. Yeah. So that's incredible. I mean,
0: I think only just... Sheffield since the turn of the year or something, and they've won like yeah. five games.
1: But you know, you have not find a way to win. I mean, some of that's due to don't. It's it's just really it's. They're feeding off scraps. They'll take whatever chances they get. um, But they just can't defend right now. The press is discoordinated. It's so easy to break past them. Um, They're so open on the counter-attacks that you can just breeze past them. I think Fulham had multiple instances where it was just like four on two or four on three and they were just outnumbered. It just doesn't look good. So The fact that they've been on this good run is insane because realistically they shouldn't have won a lot of these games that they did end up winning and they just scraped through yeah what
0: I might say in defence of United's performance against Fulham now is that Shaw, Martinez and Hoyland were out for it and I think that showed again Shaw is a huge miss always Hoyland has been in such good form and I think they missed that focal point because again Rashford was pretty invisible Um, but Let's talk about United in a more general sense. It's been a big change at the top with uh, Sir so Jim Ratcliffe coming in. They are already restructuring the the club. Omar Berrada from Man City has has agreed to join and take on the CEO role. Uh, Dan Ashworth from from Newcastle is in some capacity going to join, hopefully at some point in the near future, we're yet to confirm. Speak to me to about what's happening in general at United and how you and what your assessment of it is, Dwayne. Are you kind of optimistic? The I certainly was after the first interview that Ratcliffe gave to the BBC. I was quite encouraged by how he spoke and what he said. How do you feel about this?
1: I mean, it's the first positive we've had all season because you've had a new owner come in to look after specifically the football side, which is what every United fans wanted. Like. Obviously, a full sale would have been better, but they've got someone who's going to look after their football side. Um, They've brought in new people so that they can actually look at how to improve footballing because United's been a mess for so long. It's just, we'll pay whatever it takes to get a player without analysing them, without seeing what they're truly worth, or we'll just pay someone 400k and beg them to stay even if they're only worth like 100k a week. And... It's just something that United's become and it's nice to see that they're finding people who they know that are at the top of their field because Berada was at the top of his field. He is at the top of his field. And he was funny enough in line to get the CEO job at Man City, but United acted quicker and they got him. And Dan Ashworth is uh, to many UK people the sporting director of British football because he's the one that transcended it in English football at least and identifying him as a person they want it's it's big news and it all sounds pretty but you still need time because time is of it's the most important thing because in the last few years United have been I don't know what the quote is exactly, but then they've slapped a fresh new paint on a broken house or something like that. And they've just expected things to just stick. And they just need time. Like all these new people coming in, they just need time to assess the situation. They need time to understand what's broken there. And just like Ranick said like three years ago, now it's surgery at the open heart. Like just figure out everything that's wrong with the club and work on it. So it is positive that they're actually looking to get people in. Time will tell.
0: Yeah. One of the questions that Arman asked me this week when we were discussing this is, is Ten Hag the right guy? And I'm going to ask you that question now, Arman. Do you think Ten Hag is the right guy? It's such a difficult
2: question. And there's so many problems at the club, which it's so difficult to say of how much is his, is his fault. He's probably the only manager in the last sort of 10, 11 years who Got you guys properly excited about united again you know so we'll give him that and the way he the, i think i thought the, the counter-attacking football was really enjoyable last year yeah you had some defeats but but it was still good and this year i really wished in a united sense for a pattern of play for a for a better ball possession for a better press but again it's so difficult you have injuries really tough tough injuries and i it's such a deep that's why i i i, I question yet because i i couldn't answer it myself as well if, if he's the right guy but that he didn't create a pattern of play and then there's even when they're winning it's not like it's not like like City or or Liverpool. They're not thrashing people like it's even against the Sheffield's and the Lutons of the world. It's like it's really hard work, and in 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 a way, he has to be accountable for that. So yeah, it, it's it's a difficult question which I can't answer, but I probably would give him a a, a more time because I think his first season merits that but yeah i still feel like i still wish as from a united point of view they could show a bit more a bit more free flowing football a bit more joy in a way like how football is to be played with with joy and with with skill and with with with, with direct football and which was you know united in their best days were so so good at so yeah, you know, I think you need to, you need to get the fans excited again. I think that's that's the first thing, you know. Get get the get the fans liking the team. I don't think the fans like the team, or or that's my view. Like they don't they don't love. Do you do you love um, Bruno? As you should, probably not. Or I don't know. You you tell me. But just just get them excited again.
0: Is is this is thing. this? I I made the point, Dwayne, and I want to hear your take on this. I made the point when Armand asked me that I don't think it matters too much who's the manager at the moment. I, I think th- it does. We have, it's very important. We've, we've seen 10 years now of very successful manager coming here at Man United. Some of them were successful, but none of them have been able to sustain it over time, which has to mean after so many good managers have come and gone, it has to mean that something's wrong with the environment. And if you put the most beautiful, pretty, great plant on the worst and fucked up soil, nothing is going to grow. And But, Fab, can I ask you a question? Let me just finish quickly. And as long as the soil is soiled, you're not going to be able to let anything grow. So I think it's much more important that you focus on the environment before you focus on the coach. Talk to me, Arman.
2: I know the environment is bad and the training ground and maybe the the is toxic, but does that in a way justify that all the top teams, even Chelsea to some degree, they know how to play out of the back and they know how to press. With Man United, you just can't see that. And the like, surely with a good player like Onana with, with his feet, like. Is that really, can you really say that they're not good of playing out of the back because of that? Surely that he has to be accountable for that. Like, can you, I don't know if you can always blame every aspect. I'm sure there are also aspects with recruitment that I get it. But just develop a pattern. I don't think, I don't think you can blame the environment too much, you know, or I'm going
0: to forward this question. I'm going to forward this question to to Dwayne.
1: I like Armand's point about patterns in play because like I have noticed that as well because with Arsenal you've got your solidified sort of build-up formation. You've got your two centre-backs and then you've got your inverted full-backs and you've got everything like that. With Chelsea you've got the same thing with full-backs holding the width and then is notable for their build-up formations and United just looks completely random. Like You can't see a specific structure that they're looking to build. But then also, it is more than just the manager. Because if you look at the history since Alex, you had David Moyes, who was Alex's preferred man to come in. He failed. Then you had Van Hal, who was a possessional coach. They tried something different. They tried David Moyes for direct football. He failed. They tried Van Hal for possessional football. He failed. They tried Mourinho for results-oriented football. He failed. He did well and then eventually he flamed out. Then they felt like they need someone who loves the club. So they brought in Ollie and he failed. So it's not... It, it is a case of it's more than just the manager because they've tried so many different styles and so many different things and it fails. But Ken Hag should also feel accountable because I remember there was an interview he gave like somewhere at the beginning of the season where he says... Like we can't replay that football we played at Ajax because these are different players. But then isn't that the role of the manager to try and get them to play the way you like to see them play? Because Postecoglou is coming for half a season and Spurs are playing like they've never played before. Yeah. They're playing with new systems, new new rotations, new build-ups. So I agree with both of you in the sense that Ten has got to be more accountable because good managers still find a way to make it work with what they have. And they'll fix everything in the long run. And also, I agree with Fabius. United's just a shit show at the moment. Like, Nothing's done right there. So it's just... It's, it's a it's a mix of both worlds where Ten Hag's not holding himself accountable and United's just the worst run club in the Premier League. So until something changes, probably expect the same thing.
2: And I think like you... you think, I think... I know that... I get there's problems. Trust me, I know... But I think a lot of players have that and 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 Ten Hag as well has that alibi with that with the ownership. And I think there needs to be more responsib- responsible, you know, they I know things are bad, but surely with this group of players, you can develop, I mean, come on, you can develop a good press and a solid back line. I mean, I know there's injuries, but the way they're playing at the moment, sure, and Van Hock has to be accountable for that, I mean, I get the environment, but I, I always blaming the ownership for every little detail and not not having, like, can't criticize them for anything they do, uh, I don't know, I don't know if, the, if that's right, you know, I don't know if that's healthy.
0: Listen, I think there's two different ways of, of going about it. I think there's one is criticizing the details, which is a very relevant thing to do which is holding the players and the manager accountable and criticizing the fact that they're not playing out the back and and criticizing the way they play and the fact that they're not defending properly etc 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 but that, that's to me that's so obvious and it's so clear i haven't seen united play consistently well in literally a decade so so what i then do is i take a look i take a look at sort of the grand scheme of things and i look for the source of all these issues and what i conclude again and again is that all these little details that yes you can analyze and you can discuss and you can you know kind of do a sort of superficial level um nitpicky analysis and try and and fix it but but the root of a lot of those issues seem to be on board level on that environment so it does in a way tie together of course you can't say why don't they play out from the back with Onana and goal?" oh it's because the Glazers are shit it doesn't work like that but it does in a sense then trail back to them if you do look at the bigger picture that's I think a key difference to make to sort of yes you can analyze the game but also there's a bigger picture to to respect and to kind of Follow the 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 trail of of crap all the way to the top, which I think now has been done. And as Dwayne said, it all sounds pretty good. We just have to wait and see. And and I'm not too sure that United fans will have the patience that Arsenal fans have. And I want to ask your opinion on this as well, Dwayne, because I think what Arsenal started with Mikel Arteta all those years ago, five fifth season in charge now, sixth even fifth, he
2: came. January no December 5
0: yeah I think this is his Five. fifth yeah so it's fifth yeah. full season yeah season yeah um you know is they finished eighth twice in his first full season he finished eighth which yeah. you know would I don't know if united fans would be happy to sit through that I don't even know if the press would let them I think the pressure of man united would be too big so you kind of I feel like you're under a different level of of expectation and pressure but the way they restructured it And Armin, you you said this very, very rightly. No one is talking about the Cronkies anymore, even though they're still at the club. Do you see this as, A, do you see Arsenal as sort of like a a role model for United as where they stand in terms of how they've changed the club and how they've changed the mood and, and developed the style of play and become one of the best sides in the country? And B, do you think it's even possible to kind of do that type of reset at United?
1: Well, funnily enough, you say that in a way, United should have been the model for Arsenal, but Arsenal's come in later by about six years and they've done what United should have done six years prior. Because in a way, I feel like Manchester United sort of like... I think the board and the recruitment at the top just thought, oh, screw it, we've been champions 13 times in the Premier League. Like, Surely, Sir Alex doesn't mean that much to the fact that everything's going to go wrong and then... They played it down and nothing's been right ever since. And then Arsenal, after Arsene Wenger left, they followed that naivety that United showed for a couple of years where they just thought, okay, Unai Emery is going to come in and fix everything. And then immediately they recognized it wasn't working and they just said, let's scrap the whole system, which is what United should have done at the very beginning. So I think that's a lesson to be learned for everyone involved in these sorts of clubs that have been run by managers for a long time. Like, for example, Liverpool should probably look immediately at deciding what their next step is. And United probably should have done that. And Arsenal should be the role model for a lot of teams because as soon as they figured out it wasn't going right, they hire Edu, sporting director, and give Emery some time. Then they decide they don't like the way Emery is going about it. They hire Arteta, and they stick to him. Which is something United would never do. If you finish eighth in your first season at United, you're getting sacked. If you finish eighth consecutive years at United, you are you are tarnished. You're not getting another job in football. If if you then finish eighth and eighth and then miss the Champions League the next year, I don't know what would happen to you. You'd get death threats from like Manchester United fans. But Arsenal, they stuck to it and they believed not it, huh? Uh, they work closely with him with transfers, with Edu and Arteta. And they identified where they want to find players. And they spent a lot of money. Let's get it straight. They spent a lot of money, but it worked for them. And United just don't have that because United haven't got a director of football like Edu. They haven't got a sporting director. And I feel like that's something that's just not been in their mind because they've always thought to do what the manager wants. But if you keep sacking managers every two years... How many people are you listening to? yeah and and from what you hear from den Haag's um
0: start at the united, the he encountered a a squad which was completely underdeveloped and plan. there was no plans in place for potential transfers in summer and future had like there was no plan in place basically to build a squad and and sustain one over the next few years, which is why he was able to bring in so many of his own players because no one had an idea, so he brought in his own. I think what helped Arteta as well, like as a
2: fan base and as a club, we were rot. I mean, we were completely dead. I mean, we were like 11th or 13th. I mean, the the desperation was so much bigger that you're almost, or for me, I can say for me in this way, like I remember the first games where Arteta came in and I think we lost against Chelsea and we won against United. Two nil, um, and you could just fe- you could just feel something, and that feeling of like even a little bit of like good football and pressure and press, like almost said like just give this man time and and uh, it's gonna be a long difficult road, and it was probably a more a longer and difficult road that I expected, but he was just I think he was just more than a, just a coach, he was. He was creating a new environment and he and he i know there's i think all over the training grounds they're like they're like um positivity quotes. yeah positivity like, he, quotes he, and yeah. there is a dog called win and this is a happy environment and he got rid of so many like players that were overpaid like a lot of young guys and because of that like Arsenal fans were a bit more, don't get me wrong, a lot of Arsenal fans were out in this sort of period when we finished eighth. But the club, maybe the board just told him that he has that, that time and he has a clear, you know, when he first came in, in his first interview, he didn't talk about the next game. He talked about the vision and he talked about we need time and he talked about what he wants to do, where he wants to take this club. And he didn't talk about Bournemouth, for example. So that's why I thought, and he and he's an Arsenal fan, you know, he played there and he knows what the club is about. And I think that that is a, maybe a key element as well. So it, I think we got lucky as well with him, you know, to, to, that it worked like that. Um, Maybe a bit of luck yeah. helps as well, you know.
1: What surprised me a lot about Arsenal's rebuild is how stone-cold they were. Like They yeah. didn't care about sentimentality. They didn't care about emotional ties to players. They booted off Ozil. They booted off club captain Aubameyang. They booted off Lacazette. They booted off so many of these fan-favorite players and you'd assume that everyone would just turn against them, but they believed. And I think I attract this where Arteta has moulded the squad in his own image and I think he's only kept five of the players he first inherited, which says a lot that they've booted off so many of the other players, and they've just mm-hmm. given him time, which is which doesn't exist in the Manchester United vocabulary.
0: Yeah,
3: it really
1: doesn't. And like, and also like, bringing the song to the stadium, the North
2: London forever. He, he just thinks about the bigger picture, you know. He thinks about the whole thing, and I think with time, um, uh, if you can get someone like that, it probably can can develop into something into something
0: special. We'll leave it there, boys. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to especially to Dwayne for hopping on with us again. We'll have you back as always, probably sooner than the last wait has been. And uh, thank you to all our listeners. Please let us know what you think about the united rebuild, the the stone Cold Arsenal, and uh, all the rest of the stuff that we discussed. Um, that's a bye for me. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. (laughs) Pleasure, man. Pleasure.